Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. All right. This is Ugo and this is another episode of the Traveling Image Makers podcast uh, together again with my co-host Ralph Velasco who is connecting with us from Delhi, India. Hi Ralph, how are you doing? Hey there Ugo, I'm doing very well, thanks. How about yourself? I'm doing good. You're there for your uh, tour of India? Yeah, today was our first uh, full day of our Colors and Culture of India trip. Yeah, we've got a really great group and looking forward to a nice uh, couple weeks ahead. Great. So today we have uh, a great guest. I mean, really excited. Uh, we had this guest previously. It was in episode 34, I believe. So that's been more than two years. But uh, I really regret we didn't have her more often because, I mean, this, this person I, I, I like to say that she infuses awesomeness in everything that she touches and, do, and does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me just uh, get it from her bio, from her website. Uh, uh, Karen Hutton is an international landscape and travel photographer, artist, speaker, author, educator, and voice uh, artist. She has over 2 million followers on social media, and she's a professional Fujifilm X photographer who has been featured in various uh, events and talks at Google, PhotoPlus Expo, Twip, Stacking Customs, Forbes.com, and so on and so forth. But I, I like to introduce her by quoting what she has on, on her website, like her little uh, shorter bio. Um, that says also a speaker, voiceover artist, educator, former figure skater, horseback rider, and trainer. But for this story, photographer. So welcome, Karen. How are you doing? I thank you, Ugo. My goodness, what a what a huge intro! Now I feel like I've got to live up to something. <laughs> it's great to talk to you again. Great to talk to you again. As I said, it's been. Uh, more than two years. It was episode thirty-four, so it's been uh, it's been a long time. What's new in your world? Oh my goodness, so much is new. Uh, per big, huge personal life changes, professional changes. Um, gosh, retreats, travel, smug mug film coming out. Um, boy, all kinds of things. I'm sure we're going to talk about some of that in this episode. But I sort of feel like. I'm going to be starting 2019 in a whole new vein. Meaning you have something really awesome coming up that you well, can or more, cannot reveal? Know, yeah, well, some some things. I mean, we, I have a Smug Mug film coming out in January and uh, two new what's, retreats. What's a Smug film? What is a Smug Mug film? Yeah. So I don't know if if uh, everyone at home knows about Smug Mug. It is a you know smugmug.com is a photo um, hosting platform, but they have a project they've done for uh, Anton Lorimer, who works with Smug Mug, has done for several years called Smug Mug Films, and he does short documentaries on photographers, and they are just 
beautiful. I mean, it makes you fall in love with photography and photographers and inspiration and all kinds of things. And I've loved them from the very beginning when they started doing them. So I was hugely honored to be asked um, to do actually the first one uh, that is, a, a, what do you call it, a partnership between Fujifilm and Smug Mug that will be starting in 2019. Well, sounds great. Yeah. So that's a new thing. But I mean, just generally, you know how life is when you are trying things and, you know, experimenting with, do I like doing things this way or that way? And how does this go? And is this going to be successful? And how will this fly? And then you kind of gather all your results at the end of the year and you go, okay, so for the new year, we're going to focus this way. So I'm very excited about, um, you know, the findings of this year and where that is facing me for the new year. So lots of new things that I know we're going to talk about. So so maybe we can talk a little bit about this uh, very, very, this very topic, because I was following your, your posts on Facebook and Instagram and so on, and you were uh, recently in Slovenia to yes. uh, shoot that, that smugmug film about Slovenia, Correct. which is a country that I have to confess I don't know much about, even though it's, it borders with Italy where I live. And for whatever reason, I visited only once and very briefly. So uh, I would like to know more about Slovenia. And I'm sure our listeners would, would love to, to know more about it. So oh, what is Slovenia. so great about it? Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, so part of, first of all, it's just gorgeous. And the reason that we ended up going there is that for my Smug Mug film, we wanted, since I don't, my whole focus in photography isn't specifically like I don't shoot dancers. I don't shoot uh, portraits. I don't do weddings. Like there isn't one particular genre that I um, focus on. I'm known for landscapes and now travel. But honestly, I'm more about a philosophy. I'm more about a way of being um, that photography is a part of. And so that was the story that we wanted to tell. And what Anton wanted to do was take me somewhere new so that I was applying all these things that I talk about, um, looking at the world anew and all this kind of thing in real time, in real life, and go somewhere that I'd never been. And we needed, um, because of the range that I photograph, we also, I said, well, then what I want is water. I want to be um, small, you know, historic towns or villages and, you know, at coasts and water and ocean. I want mountains. I want farmlands. I want, you know, all this varied territory if we're really going to cover how I see the world. And Slovenia has all that and all within max three hours driving. But I don't think we did any drive that was more than two hours from one extreme to the other. So we went to the, started in the coastal town of Piran, um, right on the ocean. It was a historic village. And then we went to the Alps and we went to some farmlands and we went to the shepherd's huts and the mountain huts. And I mean, it has everything. And of course we had an amazing guide, um, with us, uh, Gosh, I'm going to like totally back myself in a corner here. Piotr, and I can't say his last name, but we can share that, I'm sure, in this podcast. He's amazing. Photographer, guide, you know, workshop leader. And so Slovenia won my heart with the people and the food and how easy it is to drive. And people speak English there. And the scenery is jaw-dropping, you know, and unusual. And 
just everything I hoped it would be and so much more. Ralph, do you know Slovenia? Yeah, I, uh, I do trips to Slovenia, and uh, it's uh, everything that Karen has said and more. It's uh, just stunningly beautiful, pristine, historic. Uh, the capital city of Ljubljana is just fabulous. I love the size of it and the uh, historic center. It's yep. just wonderful. And the, the Julian Alps, and, and like you say, and it, it, everything's within two, three-hour drive. And uh, I can't say enough good things about Slovenia. And we've had uh, Luka Senko and Dan Briski on the show, who are uh, Slovenian photographers that we've interviewed before. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I feel a, a bit ashamed that I live so close. <laughs> you should. Look forward, look forward to your next should. trip, because you can just drive over the hill, and you're in Slovenia, and you yeah. will love it. It's incredible. It's about four hours drive, and yeah, so I got two Americans telling me how great that place is. <laughs> <laughs> and I just have to believe you. Yeah, I know I've seen the photos, so yeah, everybody. Yeah, you got to get there. Me, it's great. You know, I wanted to uh, jump, if we could, to, um, I, I was looking at your portfolio online, and you had, uh, you do a lot of different types of photography and uh, travel portfolio that you have online, it's obvious that you really enjoy empty street scenes and architecture in your work, as well as photographing from unique angles and often in low light uh, when you're shooting these subjects. Talk to us about what draws you to that, those types of scenes. Yeah, um, I grew up on stories. I grew up on um, stories from faraway lands in other times. Um, my mother used to read them to us, and then we also had LPs. So we had our little record player and our LPs and these stories, and we used to listen on Sunday morning. Our, our local, well, San Francisco radio station had a, um, a number of radio shows that would be story-related, and I just would get lost in these stories, and especially, gosh, I remember the Arabian Nights, and I remember Danny Kay used to do these really obscure children's stories and make them so alive and you know a lot of the drama would happen at night in some of these villages these historic villages so I have this really vivid imagination and I always imagine going to these storybook places and so when I did find storybooks with artists renderings of these places they were often empty streets or you know maybe with one or two people in them and I always wanted to go to these places, and I always saw them that way. Um, I remember there was a book by Marguerite Henry called um, Gaudenzia, Pride of the Palio, which was about a horse because we were horse people and horse stories. And so see, that took place in Siena in, uh, you know, historic, in historic times, not modern times. And um, so when I went to Siena, it was the same thing, getting to see these streets. So there's something about the night shooting, um, the mystery, I feel like a different thing happens at night than during the day, not only because of people, but just because of, I don't know, the spirits that I see come out at night. And so I can actually create images that align with my imagination and these stories that I used to hear as a child. So it has nothing to do with, you know, I have friends who do street photography and they're like, where are the people? You should be shooting people. And I'm like, I'm in this whole other space. <laughs> in my imagination and in my childhood uh, play, play place and making images that just intrigue me and tickle me that way. 
so that's why and the architecture um and sometimes i distort the architecture because it makes it you know a half a bubble off and my whole life and perspective is at least a half a bubble off <laughs> on any daily uh any given day so um so yeah that's those are some of the reasons why i do that yeah, it's, it's a, you can see it throughout the even the different locations that you go to. It seems that you actually seek those types of photo opportunities uh, almost everywhere you go in your travel portfolio. Yeah. Is that, is yeah, that true? Well, that's, yeah, that is true because, yeah. uh, like I say, I um, when I'm in nature, there's a thing that happens. When I'm in, you know, historic or ancient civilizations, there's another thing that happens in me. You know, and so I'm always going to shoot through that lens because I won't, that's the only me I got. <laughs> so, so my perspective is like what I'm going to use. And I pretty much, you know, I, when I was a child. I had visions when I was a child and I used to, you know, hear, I think, I think the veils between dimensions were probably pretty thin for me when I was young. And so there's this sort of otherworldly um, influence in my younger life um, that is still kind of works its way through my work now. I don't, I like dwelling in the place artistically, like I love composites and I, I admire them so much and people who do the, fan, you know, total fantasy worlds, I adore them. I don't have the patience and the time to do them, so, and so I admire them from afar and so where I tend to like to dwell is in that space in between reality and fantasy and sometimes I swing you know a little more one side or the other but i like that space where you stretch reality to its limit and still don't ever quite lose it like it's totally couldn't happen could it <laughs> you know so where that question is always there because i feel like pot there's a lot of possibility in that space and i like to dwell in possibility awesome so i'd like to introduce a different topic a little bit more down to earth if you if you want than fantasy and uh, and so on but uh when i was uh, thinking about inviting you back to this show and i was thinking well wh where did i get to know karen first and it occurred to me that we get to know each other through google plus yes right and i was thinking it, it's, it's a bit sad that google is going to shut down google plus and if it if it weren't for google plus i might have never heard about you uh, you were uh, part of a, a group of people that were really popular at the time on that platform. I know people like Trey Radcliffe or Colby Brown or Thomas Hawk, and uh, and everything that happened on Google Plus. I think it was kind of magical for me. I mean, I, I would have never been able to be in touch with so many people because of the way Google Plus was structured with circles, and it was. All the photographers were flocking there or making friendships and acquaintances and so on. So my, my question would be, do you think that there's something that can take the place of Google Plus now that, that it's going away? Or are we destined to, to pay Facebook and Zuckerberg if you want to get some visibility and reach? Well, you ask a very loaded question. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> um, partially, yeah, actually you do, because... So Google Plus was a social platform, and yet it was so much more to those of us who just happened to be, to take advantage of that opportunity, you know, with both hands, right? So it was magical, and we made lifetime friends, and it changed lives, and it started careers, 
it uh you know it it was so many it was so much you know it was so much to so many people and we connected with people we never would have met like you pointed out um and took us places we never would have gone if it weren't for google plus specifically so in that sense it was way more than a social platform and certainly in my mind it ended up doing way more than Google ever had in mind. So I don't think, I never thought Google was some altruistic company that really, like, I mean, call me jaded, you know, for as um, love and light as I am, I'm also, there's a big part of me that's a total pragmatist, and the whole time we were in there having these experiences, I knew this was a window. I knew the window would close. I knew it wasn't forever. I knew that um, all this wonderful stuff we were experiencing was not what Google was after. I didn't know what they were after exactly, but it sure as hell wasn't making people's lives better because that's not what big corporations do. I mean, that sounds blasphemous, but it's true. And I also knew somewhere along the line, I can't remember where I picked this up, but I just knew that Google was a two-year company. Like, they do things for two years. and I mean, roughly, it could be three, but, you know, two to three years, boom, they're done. So I knew that Google Plus had a shelf life, and I thought that was a real shame because of what we did. But at the same time, we all jumped through the window of opportunity and had this incredible experience, and thank God, because where else could we have done that? So in that sense, I grieve the end of Google Plus, but at the same time, I always knew it was coming. So, you know, I don't like that part of big corporate, you know, mentality, but there it is. So is there, so that's my, my just ever so brief take on Google Plus and the magic that it was um, as, again, the human soul and spirit and heart take things places that corporations don't plan on. And I think, <laughs> I think we really exemplified that. So as far as a social, you know, social platforms and visibility, sure, it was a visibility thing. But there, I don't think there's anything like Google Plus on the horizon because I think what happened was then it became, oh, we can get visible. You know, the lesser human mind took over and said, oh, let's get visible. So then all this, I'm not a huge fan of social media. I got to admit, I know it's a necessary evil um, in our, if we're going to do this as a business. But then again, part of me questions even that, especially now, because there really is nowhere else unless you want to buy in. And even then, it's totally controlled. And who knows what they're doing with our data. So, you know, there's a little part of me that's, you know, conspiracy theorist, just a little bit. So I'm going to take your question one step further and go, all right, I don't think there's anywhere else we're going to get the reach and visibility. No, I don't. I think we can get some. I think we can use Instagram. And if you want to use Facebook or whatever, whatever works for you, great, do that. But if we're going to do this as a business, then I think where we're coming back to is developing our own audiences, developing audi- a smaller audience that is completely obsessed with everything that we do, that wants to be a part of our world and is willing to pay for that. And that's just business. And that's not the vast audiences that we had at one time. That was fun, but that's over. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I think that it, it, it's a time to use social media in uh, a little more, um, what am I trying to say? A little more scaled to a personal level, to a to a business level, to serving 
our world and our audience in a very specific way. I know that's a long-winded answer, but that's why I say it's a deep question. It's a, it's a very good answer, I think. Um, let me just add that I, I see sometimes new social networks popping up here and there. Uh, things like Elo, where they say that we don't, we're not going to put ads, we're not going to use our users as a product, then one has to wonder where they will make money to survive. Right, right. But they, whatever they do and whatever they, they need to survive, I think they, they still have to contend with the fact that Facebook is the de facto social network where people connect to each other. And they have a huge ad start because everybody is on Facebook. So how do I find my friends? I found I find them on Facebook nowadays. Uh, I was thinking maybe that's my uh, IT background that's speaking here, but I know Google has uh, data, has data APIs. It would be great if somebody would be able to get all that wealth of information about the connections that we created on Google+, take it out there and create a network that had a, a head start because it would be able to reuse those connections. Of course, that yeah, wouldn't that wouldn't that be nice? And then my jaded side says, and how much would that cost? They will never let that go, and they I don't even think there's an amount of money that would cause them to let it go because I think they have plenty of money, um, mm. and I think there is a value that may we may never understand uh, of that data to them. Data sure. is gold, and, and they'll never the, let that go. There's the issue of privacy, of course. I mean, um, I might well, you might have. Ask constantly I don't, from as everyone. Yeah, I mean, that, that, see, this is the other thing. Is like everybody's all like issues of privacy, and I'm like, what privacy? I think mm -hmm. we gave all of us gave that up when we first got online. Yeah. So, you know, I think <laughs> I don't. know, I'm not going to say too much more. It's very inflammatory. The whole thing. Mm -hmm. My no, what I have to say about it. <laughs> okay, fine. Let, let's let's put it. Let's leave it at that. Okay. Yep. Um, uh, let, let's talk instead about something again more. Uh, uh, high level. Uh, let's talk about these retreats that you are doing. Because mm -hmm. I, I really love the idea. I'm starting to, to launch my own uh, little retreats, but you are kind of the opening the, the way there. And I, I really love what you're doing. So uh, you have these retreats that you started organizing under this artist voice moniker. Is that still the, the name you use? Right. Yeah, I'm, yes, artist voice is a good, yeah, I'm using that as the umbrella, yes. So uh, let, let us know more about those. Um, what's the difference, especially what's the difference between a retreat and a workshop? Or what can people find in one of your retreats? Well, so where retreats came from, we're teaching. I, so I taught everything I ever did for 45 years, and I got burnt out. So what I did was I taught riding and I trained horses, and I skate. I was, I was a figure skater and I taught figure skating and I was a dancer and I taught dance and I was an actor and I taught acting. I did voiceovers and I coached TV and radio um, news broadcasters for 25 years on voice and performance. Um, all of that for 45 years and I got burnt out. And I said, when I quit, I said, okay, I'm either never going to teach again or if I return down the line when I feel like my cup is filled back up again. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be very different than anything I've ever done. It's going to be on my terms, and it's going to be what I want to teach. And what may, I, may and I otherwise, yeah. may yeah. I ask you why you got burnt out? Because, wow. Well, I don't know. Do it for forty-five years and come back and tell me how you feel about it. <laughs> I'd do anything that, for forty-five years, <laughs> right? 
That's sure. that yeah. might be my career in IT. <laughs> yeah, I got a little jaded. Maybe not burned out is not the right word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I could see because you know, but burned out is more. Mm, I mean, I suppose that's a whole episode into itself, isn't it? But um, you know, working with people, um, which I love to do, but the way I do it, I really, you know, I immerse, I bring myself to it. Um, I try to always bring something new to it, and I found that. At the time, the way that I went about it meant I gave up a lot of my own dreams. And I gave up being an artist, and I, I just gave up too much. And I'm not saying you have to do that in order to teach, but apparently that's how I did it. So I needed to, to just stop and get my bearings and find myself again and find myself as an artist again and, you know, just get back to a place that felt like a life to me before I had something to offer. And so I did that and then um, got into photography, you know, the whole Google Plus thing, you know, brought me back into photography, both guns blazing. Find, I learned a lot in that time about who I was as an artist and what I could do and what my options were, et cetera, et cetera. And I hadn't, still had no intention of teaching it because I thought I'm just going to keep it for my art. But then I started having more and more people ask me um, how I did what I did and I told them you don't want to know and they said oh no we really want to know and I was like no no you really don't because I was looking around and seeing what people were being taught and I'm like oh my god there's no place for me because this isn't how I do any of it so they were like no really how do you do it and I'm like you don't want to know well what settings do you use see see I would say you really don't want to know because it has nothing to do with settings mm -hmm. and so I don't know they badgered me so much that I finally started to <clears throat> put a little bit of information out there to crickets <laughs> and um, and then still the questions came so at one point I thought well what if I taught what would that look like I just asked myself that question and I started thinking about what it was I would really say to people and where I would draw that information from which most of it had nothing to do with photography specifically um, because the summation of everything that I did was what I was doing in photography. I just happened to have a camera in my hands. <clears throat> so I thought, well, what if I taught that? <clears throat> I was like, well, that's a radical idea. I don't think anybody would listen. So I had a couple of opportunities to talk, to speak. <laughs> and in the beginning, seriously, I would talk about this stuff. At, I mean, and people's faces in the audience would be blank with a tinge of fear, and some people would walk out. <laughs> that's, that's how we started and I thought okay so this of course I'm intrigued because I, I love things like that and um, and it made me laugh and and feel awkward and feel all kinds of things and I'm like okay well now I'm feeling like an artist because I'm really uncomfortable and um, so I said well this is either career suicide or the best thing I ever did I'm not really sure which but let's find out so I realized there was really no language for this there was no platform for this. There was no <clears throat> event laid out for this. So I had a business coach. Her name is McKenna Held, and she said, why don't you do a photography retreat? She bought um, Julia Child's summer home in Provence, in France. And, yeah, and so she <laughs> said, why don't you come over and do a photography retreat? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm, and I didn't know, I didn't, I thought I wasn't ready to teach. And I, what am I, what am I going to talk about? Well, she's my business coach. So she helped me work that out. And I was like, wow, this looks like fun. 
so we did. We had a very small group, but we did my first retreat at Julia Child Summer Home in Provence, uh, La Pitoune. And McKenna, um, you know, we, we combined it with things. You know, retreats to me are, they have a focus, right? So photography is the focus in creating art and so on and so forth. But my background is largely varied, so there's a lot of cross-training involved. So we, t- we brought in business. We brought in, you know, grounding and focusing and breathing. We did a cooking class. We did a cooking class in Julia Child's kitchen. It was exactly the way Julia Child left it. Um, and it was incredible. And we ate and we toured and we took pictures and we lived this life in these, you know, five days of this retreat that was unlike anything I'd ever done and anybody else had done. And it was hugely successful. For, it was, very, like I say, a very small group, but it felt big because it was a big success and it was very different. And I thought, well, I'm just going to keep doing this until somebody tells me to stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and they've, they've worked out. And so the difference, I think, is the focus. It isn't go, 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 you know, shoot, 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 here's where to stand, here's the picture to take, here's how to process it, here's blah, 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 because that stuff is like, okay, next. Um, I do it as well, but I need to have it in a context of what are you really doing? Why are you doing that? What is that actually bringing to the world? What is that? Are you really speaking from your heart and your soul, and are you really getting it across? Are you really showing up? in a real way and then in, in that sense the things we do in retreats also apply to life and they also apply to other art forms so it becomes a much bigger conversation which is that, about that point is when I get interested another long-winded answer but it is accurate <laughs> it is I believe <laughs> yeah I mean it, it sounds you- like you're, you're really uh, trying to do this on your own terms and getting back into it uh, the teaching part of it uh, that that just sounds wonderful what a great experience yeah. yeah it is on my own terms and I and I made the agreement when I started I was like this is gonna succeed or fail I really don't care which um, I, of course I want it to succeed but if it fails um, it'll fail because the world wasn't ready and that I don't have any control over that but I had a feeling it might be because I was looking around, I was doing a lot of research on, on workshops and what people were doing, and I, I've taught long enough, you know, 45 years gives me enough experience to know what the burnout level is going to be of a certain type of teaching and a certain type of workshop, and I just decided that I would be standing on the shore when the tsunami of, okay, we're done with this style of learning, I would have the next thing available. So... I don't know if that's happened or not, but that was just the little vision that I had for this whole thing. Ugo, why do you do retreats? What do you like about them, and how do you see them being different? Well, I do pretty much for the I think for the same reasons that you do, and uh, just not wanting to to keep teaching about uh, the, the same stuff about teaching. Okay, put your as you said, put your camera there, set, put your settings like that, and take a photo. Uh, just dig a little bit deeper into why people are doing things, why they want to, uh, to, to express themselves through photography. Right. Talk about more life in general, what drives people, what uh, um, I like to say that my retreats are about closing the gap and uh, between somebody who is trying to take photos that are pretty and somebody who believes they are an artist. 
Right. And I want to and help I really them think, try to I think close now, the gap. Yes, exactly. And I think now, in this point in history and culture and society that we live in, I think that what we're talking about is inspiring people, awakening souls, original thinking, and boy, you know, and and creating beauty. And if there was ever a point in time that we need beauty and souls because, you know, beauty awakens the soul to act. That is somebody's quote that I use often. And if there were ever a time in history that we need souls to show up, real, you know, good light <laughs> souls to show up and act, it's now. And if beauty is the, the way to do it and finding out who you really are and letting that shine and we are in a position to do it, I think I think that's our job. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's also because I, I do like thinking, <clears throat> I do like talking about those topics. And I want to and I want to share them with uh, with everyone else. That's the yep. that's the main reason. Ditto. You know, with my with my trips that I do, I've uh, which I've been doing now full time for ten years. I I think from the beginning, I always wanted them to be some sort of a bridge between a photo workshop, which I've never done, and a regular tour, and have those cooking classes and uh, other types of experiences in those places not make it all about photography um, but I, I like this idea of you know finding out intention why are you doing these things and uh, I, I hadn't thought about it that way I thought about uh, incorporating yoga or wellness into into my trips and and make it more of an overall cultural experience than just a workshop I mean work right the word work just kills me <laughs> i know it just makes me tired i don't even the like four letter that. word right <clears throat> yeah, yeah i think that agreed. the difference between what uh, karen is doing and i'm trying to do and and you ralph is that we're trying to do a retreat so we're going to retreat into a, a little bit of a closed space right yeah I mean, right there's going to be outings there are going to be little trips around but it's we're not going to go so much out in the world. There's going to be a lot of time where you are in, yeah, in Julia I mean, Child's I'm, house and in the kitchen. Exactly. It's exactly. A bit and we're doing we're doing a retreat in January at a luxury horse ranch, and it's all going to be at the ranch, and it's going to be so rich and amazing. But you don't have to like go. I mean, travel is great, and I love to offer these, you know, beautiful, luxury, comfortable, and I think the luxury, comfortable experience is really important because I think in order to be creative and have your muse really want to come out and play, you have to be comfortable, frankly. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really see a tremendous amount of creativity in long-enforced marches with not enough sleep and really crappy food and, you know, your gut isn't working right and you're tired and... There's a lot of people, and you know that's just not a real fun, creative time for me. Speaking mm -hmm. of gut, actually, one of the in France went after the after we moved on from La Pitune, we went to a wellness center, and I had a friend who is a, a nutritionist for forty years, and she's French, and she well, she's Dutch, but she's living in France and and is in her seventies, and you know she could kick all of our asses, and um, you know she knows more about she's forgotten more about nutrition than you and I will ever know in our lives. And so we did a retreat that talked about the gut and the brain connection and art and creativity and ate food that was, you know, made for that and 
you know, had a whole different experience. So each one, you can do something a little different with each one, you know. So that's but cool I, I, I still love, uh, I mean, uh, stressing myself to, to extremes and getting up really early to catch a flight to some amazing place. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm in a travel state of mind and I just want to see as much as possible and yeah, experience. And I mean, but I think yeah, that there's uh, room for everything. In, in this. There's room, exactly. This doesn't preclude that. It's just that some people think that's the whole way to do it. And then others who don't want to do it then go, well, I don't want to do that. So then they don't do anything. So then, you know, we're offering mm -hmm. them something in between. Good. So what is next for Karen Hutton? What do you have planned down the road? What's going on? Well, I decided to uh, narrow my focus a little bit because I was finding myself very overextended. So um, part of this year was spent to changing things in my personal life. We're still in the process of moving. Most of this year has been changing locations, renovating a home, you know, establishing a new base. I have a truck and trailer now. I'm going to do more um, land-based travel here in the States as well as Euro European travel. And then I have a new partner in my business for of the retreat part of my business who is going to enable me to take this to the next level um, because what she loves to do is the back end and the planning and the, you know, a lot of the stuff that and she has partners all over the world with a, an adventure company that she has. Um, so we're teaming up to create some wonderful events. Um, my next retreat, like I said before, is at the Vista Verde Ranch in Colorado in January, the 20th to the 26th which is the artist's voice, Winter Wonderland, we're calling it. And uh, so if you love horses and like this idea of a retreat, it's an incredible experience. Five-star chef, custom meals. I mean, it's amazing. And then in June, my new partner and I are going to take to Venice and the Italian Dolomites uh, for another little combo. You can do one or the other or both parts of it, um, retreat. And um, incredible photography, Marvelous food, great company. If I'm not mistaken, it's already half full. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so those are the two next big events, as well as speaking and writing and doing, okay. you know, photographing and doing all that stuff. Maybe I'll drop by in Venice or in the Dolomites so when, when you're there, <laughs> just to say hi. <laughs> Again, it's pretty close. But I was thinking that, I mean, for, for me, coming to, to Venice and the Dolomites or south of France, I mean, we, we met in when you were doing your retreat in Cannes. Yes. For me, it was like a three-hour drive. So I said, okay, let's just uh, drop by there and say hi. And, yeah. Uh, and I could do the same. But, I mean, not everyone can go to France or Venice or Colorado. So I think you're also doing something very important. Then it's uh, teaching those same concepts in, in courses, like the one mm -hmm. that you just did for Kelby one. Maybe you want Correct. to talk a little bit about that. You, yes. You're covering some of those same, same topics in your Absolutely. most recent course. So, yeah, so my goal is to break this down. Like, for instance, I started with an ebook in the most simple form, 10 Steps to Finding Your Artistic Voice, on my website at karenhutton.com. $5.25. <laughs> it's like the simplest way to, to get a taste. And then um, we'll be doing weekend workshops and, of course, a, a full-on retreat in Tahoe also next October. But <clears throat> um, the Kelby course, you know, you join Kelby One, um, which isn't very much per month. And this latest course, I do have, you know, Finding Your Artistic Voice, a course on Kelby One. But this new one is about um, how to put you into your photographs. And they actually came out to Tahoe, which is, you know, my backyard, 
and um, we filmed at uh, Emerald Bay at Lake Tahoe, and I went through, kind of broke it down, and you know, it's an, it's an hour and a half course, so it isn't like a five-day retreat, but it has the basic, here's how to think about it, here's how to approach it, here's the, here are the things I think about when I go out. So we cover from, you know, morning till evening, from preparation to shooting, to shooting, to post-processing. Um, and it's not like, oh, this is the only way to do it. My goal was to give people some ideas. Here's how I do it. Here's what you could think about. Here's why I think about it. What do you think about it? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like that. I, that's the way I teach is just to kind of give some ideas. You know, to, I try to make the, well, I don't know. We call it the airy-fairy. I try to take the these what could be really ephemeris topics and make them practical. So that was my goal with this um, particular Calbee One course. Yeah, I love what you just said. Just uh, because it's, uh, I mean, it, it, you can find a lot of literature around on artsy topics like uh, finding your vision, putting yourself into what you do, and so on. But as you said, making it really practical is what's probably missing. So I think you're there. You're filling a big gap, a big void. Yeah, I mean, I even spoke for, because I'm a Fujifilm, you know, professional Fujifilm X photographer, so I go to events at either camera stores or big conferences or whatever, and I present on this topic as well. And I just was at one recently, the, the I think I had 45 minutes, and I had people, and it was like, you know, you're in this little conference room, it's not real inspiring, but I went and bought some props, and I came up with, you know, concepts that I always talk about when i you know, present on this topic. And then I said, okay, and I chiseled those down to the top three or four, and everyone that I talked about and gave examples, you know, photographs, I said, okay, we're going to do that now, go. You know, I gave them, you know, like, okay, we're going to work with light. So whether you use your iPhone light or you're using your phone to shoot or your camera to shoot, I don't care, do something with light. Here are the props. Here, here are the light sources and the qualities that are possible. Go. You've got two minutes. <laughs> mm -hmm. And at first, everybody just looked terrified and by the end, everybody was helping each other and holding lights. And I had a little truck, you know, that, you, that rolled. And they were, like, doing the motion, you know, because one of the topics was movement. They were rolling that thing. And, I mean, we had so much fun. And in 45 minutes, it was eye-opening and energy-moving and very practical. So it's possible because this is a space where we naturally dwell. We just get it conditioned out of us. Awesome. So, Ralph, you have any more questions? I don't think so. That that was great. Lots of great information. Thanks for being on the show, Karen. Absolutely, my pleasure. I love what you're doing, and um, and so yeah, I love dropping dropping by and sharing whatever I got going on or whatever answer whatever questions you guys have anytime. Yeah, it's been great, really. So, thank you very much. And where can people find about you online? I, my main home is www.karenhutton.com, and you can find your way to, I call them, well, so there's karenhutton.com slash adventures is the retreats, and but you can get into the store and the photos and the retreats and the adventures and everything from karenhutton.com. Great. We'll certainly put links to all of that on the, on the show notes, including your Kelby One courses and uh, and everything else and as for you ralph where can people find you 
Uh, people can find me on my website at photoenrichment.com, and you can look for me on all the social media networks at Photo Enrichment and at Ralph Velasco. How about you? Yeah, our usual place is my website at eucphoto.me. And uh, social media with my name, it's not easy. There are no many, not many other synonyms. <laughs> U-G-O-C-E-I, just Google me, you'll find me. Uh, yeah, as, for this, <laughs> as for this podcast, uh, it's as always at ttim.photo. Uh, so leave us a comments there, you will be able to find this episode and all the others and uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and join our Facebook group, the Traveling Image Makers Corner at ttim.photo slash Facebook. Uh, did I forget anything, Ralph? Well, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, something new that I've got coming up next summer, and that's uh, being an instructor at the brand new out of Costa Rica wildlife photography conference. And that, of course, is put on by our good friends over at uh, Out of Chicago, uh, where you and I have both taught. And so we are putting on their first international conference, and that will be on the Osa Peninsula in Costa Rica. Nationally Geographic calls it the most biologically intense place on the planet. And uh, I would agree. I was there this summer scouting for my my personal trip there, my uh, my own company's trip there, but this is the out of, uh, out of Chicago people, and I'll be a part of uh, seven instructors there, and that goes July 27th through August 3rd, 2019, and registration's open, uh, CostaRica.outofChicago.com. Yeah, How about you? Great, yeah. And they're great people, right? Uh, we yeah. know them very well, Chris and all the, all the gang. Great. Yeah. How about you? What do you have coming up, Ugo? Uh, yeah, a few, I mean, uh, I'm just going to uh, mention the, the my tours website at tours.ucphoto.me. Uh, there's plenty of things coming up for 2019, starting with the, the Venice Carnival Workshop, uh, street photography workshop in Milan with Steve Simon, and uh, the retreat I'm doing in Tuscany in May, and what else, Tanzania in August, and also uh italy in september so that's uh, that's a lot of a lot for me a lot of tours that i'm hoping uh to to do next year so that's tours.ucphoto.me i think that's uh, that's really all for for now uh thanks again karen for being our guest today as always it's been uh, it's been great talking to you we hope to <laughs> to have you again on the show and not wait two years again maybe next year <laughs> we'll see what's uh how things will go. And now well, my pleasure, Ugo. Thank you so much. Thanks to you. And now let's get out and shoot.